Blog Talk Radio. Good evening. This is Dr. Simon. This is my show, The Stories We Live By. And uh, I should talk about this particular episode, which is a kind of uh, psychotherapy for me. Um, my own personal life goes well. Um, shot a 90 a relatively honest 90 today on the golf course, which uh, in the last few weeks has been uh, fairly consistent. makes me very happy. My kids seem to be okay, grandkids. But the more I watch the news, uh, the more upset I get. And uh, what I would like to do tonight uh, is to talk about some of these news stories and see if uh, the ones that especially upset me Uh, and see if I can't shed some light on them from a psychological perspective, not simply the way the media presents them, or uh, as I sit and listen to friends and people I know discuss these particular topics. Um, Need a framework. Now, I did this show really before, a couple of weeks ago, and the deeper I got into it, the more I realized I was not really being coherent that the material was really complex for me. Um, I was personally involved, deeply personally involved, as I am still tonight about some of the topics, particularly uh, the war between Hamas and Israel. Um, And uh, I didn't like the outcome of the show. I started to listen to it, and I said, uh, this is not Babel. This is Babel. It's really not very uh, effective. Uh, moreover than that, um, I had had a couple of drinks with dinner, a couple of glasses of wine, and that didn't add to the lack of coherence and my ability to pull together the various threads. Uh, one of the ways I want to start tonight's show uh, is to create a framework using a metaphor of Google Maps. Um, I find the Google Map very interesting. I mean... You can't get lost anymore. Uh, you can find your way to any place with these Google Maps. Uh, well, a lot of different map directions, but I use Google Maps as, as the specific metaphor. And it's a fascinating thing. If I look up the name of a restaurant or some kind of place I want to go to, a sporting goods store, a particular food store, uh, it'll bring me, uh, when I put my address Uh, to the uh, dress of the place I want to go, it'll create, it'll bring up a map. And that map very often begins with the specific streets immediately around the place uh, that I want to go to, which is very helpful if I knew the larger uh, geographical context uh, that uh, connects me to that place. Now, on the left side of the screen is usually a list of specific things. Drive out of my, you know, go out of my driveway, make a left, go right, specific directions. But if I pull down um, the little uh, 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 meter on the side, all of a sudden it pulls back, and depending upon how far down. I go from plus to minus or minus to plus. Um, I see more and more of the context 
the geographical context surrounding the place where I want to go. And now I could pick up uh, the major streets or highways that would take me from my home to the specific place that I want to go, be it 5 miles, 10 miles, 15 miles, 25 miles, whatever number of miles. So I can move back and forth and see more and more of the specifics, the specifics of the place I want to go, and more and more at the same time by changing the perspective to the interconnections. I could see the place I want to go to from the broadest view of uh, the whole United States. I could see all of Florida, the United States, all of North America. The further I go, the more I see the larger context, the less I can see the specifics of the individual place that I want to go to. And I think there is truth in Google Maps to a way that I struggle and as an educator and a therapist try to help people create a perspective um, so that they sort of know what is going on on the individual level, on the very specific level, inside their own thoughts, they're inside their own soul broadening it out to the context within their family, still broadening out to the context of their family within their community, and then the larger community. Um, the the uh, existentialist that I studied in graduate school talked about the Eigenwelt, the Mitwelt, and the Umwelt, that is, the world of the individual, the world of social surround, and then the world of the larger world in which we live. Because they're all connected. Nothing is unconnected. Now, the particular Google map I try to, uh, and I never used these words before, I was always using the same idea, but not these words. The kind of Google map that I need to have for myself and for patients and for people that I talk to about specifically the stories that upset me the most in the newspaper now and, and every day, increasingly, um, these stories not only have to be seen in a logic social context, they have to be seen in a historical context. So as I pull away or move closer to something on the Google map, magically what has to appear at least in perception, is what are the social and historical contexts in which events take place. I am amazed, I'm amazed, always amazed, that so much of our education, and I'm going to talk tonight a good deal about uh, the, the education, to me always is a way out of the horror that we're in but a specific kind of education, a specific method of teaching. Um, the, the, um, the lack of understanding that the events that we're talking about today, in this case, one of the major stories, the, the uh, war in Hama, with Hamas, uh, the war in Syria, which upsets me enormously, uh, which I feel less personally involved with, uh, but 
nonetheless, the horror now going on in Iraq where uh, this group ISIS, again, fundamentalist fanatics um, who are now uh, uh, in the process of trying to kill a group, uh, uh, a sect known as the Yazidis. And if they grab a hold of any of them, they slaughter the men, uh, they rape and enslave the women, they kill the children. There is no mercy. Um, there is this fanaticism. And I know from their point of view, if I shift the Google Mac focus from my point of view, that this is, as a judgment, as evil as evil could be. From their point of view, this is the highest level of morality because they are acting on God's will. This is Allah telling them what to do in that interpretation and that if they do it and they die in the act of this slaughter, in this jihad, uh, they immediately go to heaven where they're rewarded for all eternity for their virtue, for their, for their prowess as warriors. When this is discussed, and it's discussed with a lot of passion from a lot of people, it doesn't go anywhere. It's as if it hangs suspended in the air without a historical context, without uh, a social context, without a broader point of view that brings in economics, that brings in uh, religion, that brings in a variety of other perspectives that allows us to try and understand what is going on. Not merely to react emotionally out of fear and hate, because there is always that, but to be able to move into some kind of a coherent, rational position where we understand the process more than an, another isolated in, incident suspended in space and time having no connections to anything. Because everything is connected in time. Everything is connected in space. Um, there was a, where, where did I hear this some years ago? The question about interconnection. If a butterfly beats its wings in Asia, will there be a hurricane in Florida? And on the surface of it, you'd say, how could that be? But the idea behind that statement is that everything is connected. And unless we move the, uh, the uh, stylus on the Google map, unless we look back in history at the specific event, unless we move down to the level of the individual, the level of the family, the level of the particular social group, uh, into the economics, the politics, the science of the situation, there is no understanding. We are left befuddled. Uh, we, I hear over and over again, I can't believe this is happening. This really couldn't be happening. Yes, it could be happening, because it's been happening from the time in which we climbed down out of the trees and formed into our tribal relationships. So, let me get to some of the stories uh, that I talked about in my original now deleted episode because I was so unhappy with it. Um, one was this terrible uh, conflict between the, the uh, Israelis and Hamas, the Palestinians in Gaza. Uh, 
and by implication, tremendous difficulty in, in uh, its relationship with much of the Arab world, um, and go back historically from the time Israel became a state in 1948, one war after another, one intifada after another, and uh, Israel increasingly becoming an armed camp, one of the powerful nuclear powers in the world, uh, a powerful military presence that unfortunately, without peace, without sense of safety, uh, drifts towards a kind of militaristic, non-democratic, non-humanistic uh, uh, state in which survival trumps everything. And that's not to say that the threat to Israel's survival is not real. Their enemies uh, are twofold, uh, actually threefold. One is the sworn hatred of so many of these uh, jihadist groups that now are getting increasingly well-funded and well-armed all over uh, the Middle East and in many other parts of the world. That terrifies me because it's like a cancer that grows and that regardless of the historical causes of the cancer, which I'll just touch on tonight because uh, this requires a lot of historical understanding, a lot of historical uh, in-depth uh, uh, framework to understand how this is happening. And the responsibility, not only of Israel, but of all the European and Western nations that created so much of this during their imperial days, when empire uh, was important and that wealth being extracted from that part of the world left so many of the individuals in that part of the world uh, impoverished, uneducated, subjugated, and dominated. This, this is historical record. And I don't want to risk the danger of saying, since I understand more, I forgive more. Uh, whatever brought these groups into existence, uh, they have to be dealt with, and they have to be dealt with firmly. And just to digress a little bit, uh, all of these European uh, media that keep attacking Israel as if Israel... Uh, is doing other than defending itself from these hundreds of rocket attacks by uh, this militant group that has part of its charter and its sworn reason for being the destruction of Israel. Uh, regardless of whatever caused this, you know, the analog to this is the person who has lung cancer. And we say, well, if you hadn't smoked, if you hadn't drank so much, if you had taken better care of yourself, you wouldn't have the cancer. All true. Regardless of what caused the cancer, the cancer itself has to be treated. The cancer has to be dealt with. And if necessary, extirpated. It has to be removed. These countries in Europe now, attacking Israel uh, in this one-sided way, uh, I saw one episode where a reporter moaning and crying over the death of Palestinian children, which turns my stomach and upsets me tremendously. Um, for whatever the reason they were being killed, whether it's because Israel is at fault or because the, the, the Hamas put them 
in danger and told them not to leave so that they could use this with the media. Whatever he's crying about, I wonder why isn't he crying about the death and the destruction going on in Syria, Syria or the death and destruction, the horror going on in, in uh, Iraq, which is, is uh, uh, in many, most cases, uh, Muslim on Muslim. There's no mention of it. Okay? Let me, let me uh, back up a second and talk about why uh, I am more passionate about the Israel. Uh, Israel is my home. Um, I don't live there. I'm an American citizen. But uh, I, I, while I want to touch on this a little bit, uh, my fear that America is sliding uh, towards an uh, autocracy, uh, a gun-dominated religious state uh, that has many of the early qualities of Hamas and ISIS, um, uh, which I'll talk about in a little while, uh, where the, the turning on, on uh, minorities could take place, uh, and given the history in Europe, um, which I'll talk, again I'll talk about, uh, if not tonight, another time, if I don't get to it, uh, it can happen here. Israel must exist, and for me and every Jew I know, whether we're religious uh, or, or, or uh, have a sense of, of uh, the kind of atheism and anti-religious feeling that I have, uh, seeing so much of the problem as human beings uh, failing to give up this notion of an afterlife that uh, is in the case of so many believers, particularly the Muslims, uh, who are now uh, creating such a, a difficulty in so many parts of the world that it's much better than the life we have here. Um, Israel must exist because my family may have to go there. When the Holocaust started in Europe, uh, and I want to recommend at this point a wonderful PBS public broadcasting series by Simon Shamus, the history of the Jews, uh, followed by another two-part series by um, David Suchet, the actor, on the life of uh, St. Uh, Paul, uh, who was originally known as uh, Saul, who was a Jew, um, a follower of Christ, who was a Jew, that... Um, it gives you this historical perspective that is necessary, that for almost a hundred years, the Jews of France and the Jews of Germany uh, became assimilated, at least in their mind. They rose to the heights. Uh, in Austria, 50% of the doctors, 70% of the scientists, a large percentage of the artists in all of these countries were Jews. Uh, the historical reasons for why they went into these particular uh, areas of endeavor, um, again, uh, too much to discuss here, but they believed that they were French. They believed that they were German. They believed uh, that they were deeply rooted and accepted citizens of the part of the, in these countries that they lived in. And then all of a sudden, uh, the Dreyfus Affair, like some kind of a cancerous wound, uh, popped to the surface, and the Jews in all of those countries suddenly discovered uh, this outbreak of vicious anti-Semitism. One of the things I will not explain, because I can't, 
is why are the Jews the all-purpose scapegoat targets uh, uh, in in the Western Hemisphere? Um, I'll articulate some ideas, but none of them really satisfy. But in any event, uh, within a very short period of time, uh, it was realized there was going to be a catastrophe of some kind. And when the Holocaust happened, uh, there was no place for the Jews to go. Nobody would take the, the, the great number of Jews. Had America, France, well, England, uh, uh, other countries taken large numbers of Jews, Hitler would have not had a Holocaust. He wouldn't have had Jews to kill. Um, because he would have tried to kill them after he took over the world, because ultimately that was the long-range plan. But the the killing of millions of Jews, six million Jews, and by the way, three million Poles and two million um, gypsies, uh, homosexuals, uh, just an endless number of anybody considered untermenschen, anybody considered uh, less than Aryan, less than good enough to be part of the new world empire that Germany had become. Um, uh, that wouldn't have happened. It wouldn't have happened in the same way. If we had stood up to Hitler, uh, if, if England, if, if France, if the United States uh, had more involvement and stood up and said this is a cancer, that this Nazi party and Hitler and the thugs, the illiterate, uneducated thugs that became uh, his, his strong right arm in actually beating up and torturing and killing people, um, uh, this, this, this mess from the underworld that suddenly rose to the top of political power, uh, the world would have had a different history. Uh, so, we are in great danger. These stories upset me. One of the other stories that I want to put into this framework, um, at, at which all have to be understood from a historical, larger cultural, economic point of view, because the way out has to be pointed from the way in. Um, the the um, story by Thomas Friedman, about Madagascar appeared two weeks ago or three weeks ago in the Sunday uh, supplement. Uh, Madagascar, apparently, which is this large island off the coast of Africa, was, and to a degree still is, one of the most beautiful, biodiverse places on Earth. And it's disappearing. It's being destroyed. Uh, Poor people in large numbers are logging, and they're destroying the forest. The animals that live in the forest are being hunted for food and for other, uh, other purposes. Um, in Africa, the rhinoceros is being destroyed for its horn because Japanese people believe that it increases their sexual potency. Um, uh, <laughs> I put that in, in the, the superstitious beliefs uh, that we simply don't know how to give up and are not doing enough to help people overcome. It's being destroyed, not by uh, only the profiteers who can't see apparently the longer historical uh, consequences for the short-term economic gains, but simply by ordinary people overpopulating our planet, 
and, and going forth and in order to survive, destroying the very things that will keep them and us alive. Because what is happening in Madagascar is happening everywhere. I don't know anybody who any longer says, oh, gee, it's a democratic or a liberal or scientific plot to uh, the notion of climate change. Because we're all feeling the effects all the time everywhere in the world. That terrifies me. The rise of religious fanaticism terrifies me. Um, this country is seeing its own rise. Not the degree that it is in other places because uh, of things that I'll talk about in a few moments, that we have uh, still large numbers of women who are independently thought, who think independently, large numbers of fairly well-educated people who do have a Google sense that looks at things historically and looks at, at the larger social and economic <coughs> excuse me, context of uh, the problems that we confront. Uh, just this week, President Obama was being interviewed, uh, and he talked about, uh, for the first time that I remember him talking about it, that he wants to see a political system where there is no victims and no vanquished. Because, as he put it, increasingly, politicians are being rewarded for taking the most extreme maximalist, in my words, authoritarian positions. Facts don't matter. Science doesn't matter. What matters is the particular religious belief of individuals that they wish to transform into the dominant political and social uh, policies of the United States. To hell with the Constitution. That terrifies me. So, I think we're in great trouble. Why is this all happening? I think it is rooted in past economic injustices, in political injustices. Uh, it would require too much of time and energy and moving me from away from the fields uh, that I'm comfortable in. If anybody would like to join me on my show to discuss these roots, the roots of these cancers. And again, if we pull back the Google map, we recognize that the horrors being uh, uh, visited upon people by ISIS, by Hamas, by these extremist Muslim groups, still are dwarfed, at this point anyway, by the horrors visited on us by the Nazis, or the horrors visited by the Chinese, on the Chinese, by the Japanese, under their code of Bushido, of the warrior, uh, which uh, was uh, uh, organized and sat upon by an emperor that they treated as God. A hierarchical system that moved from the top down and never moved from the top, from the bottom up. All of these systems destroyed millions. All of these systems recognized no justice except the rule of brutality. 
when the Japanese killed the Chinese in millions, they tended to crush their heads with rocks because, as they put it, Chinese are lower than pigs. They don't deserve to be killed with bullets and guns, which is a warrior's way of killing and dying. What we're looking at is the human race under certain social conditions, under certain conditions in which the religious notion that should be guiding love and humanity, creativity, becomes authoritarian, becomes intolerant, becomes brutal. And it happens so easily. When my tribe feels threatened and I have to go to the, the defenses and we have to start to fight against your tribe, the language becomes very, very similar. We are superior to you. You're inferior to us. We're the victims. I have talked about this in numerous other shows. The themes are almost always the same. And to step on and break the head of something lower than a pig, to put cockroaches into concentration camps and ovens and gas them, called extermination camps, when uh, demons and devils uh, have to be, uh, and infidels have to be destroyed before we are destroyed by them, all in the name of the God and the power uh, it's the same. It's the same. When we destroy the planet that we live on, we destabilize society. And one of the major connections that Friedman, in another article, Thomas Friedman is one of my favorites, uh, was that the four-year drought in Syria did much to destabilize and create the conditions for the terrible brutal destruction of people and lives and property that continues to go on there. I think it's now three years. Where's the way out? Where's the way out? Uh, I'll tell you where I see the way out, but I'll tell you now, for those who listen, I see very little chance of this happening. Uh, I think we've gone very far down the road. When I see that large and increasingly large numbers of Americans are buying guns to protect themselves, when this carnage is going on because people feel threatened in the streets and open fire uh, on others, uh, believing that they're being threatened, even if they're not being threatened, when I watch... Uh, a restaurant in, uh, and I learn that the fastest growing group of people to arm themselves are women who claim they need guns to protect themselves and their children from all the other people, of course, who have the guns and from the idea uh, that we know, they see, we all see the danger looming as everything keeps tipping closer and closer to authoritarianism and the notion of violent resolution of this conflict, of all conflict. When this week I see on the news, done with levity, but I really wasn't smiling, how the uh, waitresses in a Hooters restaurant 
are now all wearing guns on their holsters. And I wonder, by the way, uh, if they don't get enough of a tip, will they stand their ground and start shooting? Um, The sense of threat that this is bringing to more and more people, uh, which is creating more and more of a tipping point for more and more people to feel that it is in their interest to be armed, to be close to their own tribe, people just like them, who then constantly see an enemy, and whether the enemy is really an enemy or they are making the enemy, really in the end doesn't matter because the enemy becomes real. When I see all of this increasing, I see... Uh, alongside the constant destabilization of economies everywhere uh, with policies dominated by wealthy, uh, which says poor, fuck the poor, and increasingly uh, difficulties with the environment, the food supply that will lead to all kinds of terrible battles over who will get the last apple and who will have enough to feed their children. Uh, I despair. So, where do I see the 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 the, uh, the change? Uh, I would like to see all religion disappear. Uh, I am an enthusiast of John Lennon's song "Imagine." Imagine a world without boundaries, without nations, without religion—just people and people doing their thing. The, how do you get there? To me, the, there are two real mechanisms. Uh, the main one, to me, always is education. The more people are educated in a bottom-up rather than a top-down system. This, again, I explored in earlier shows and in a book I wrote that I really gave a lousy title to. I didn't listen to my wife and give the title she suggested and the title really, I think, killed the book. <clears throat> but an educational system in which there is authority because the teacher must demonstrate that they know more than the student. But an education that moves towards the individual in which the individual becomes part of the class but never loses their individuality, in which the arts play increasingly important roles where painting and dancing and musical instruments and poetry and songwriting and story writing become increasingly important where the humanities now being pushed out where philosophy is being seen as meaningless because it doesn't give you a degree that you can earn a living uh, It just helps you live. Of course, we have to help our children develop skills that are marketable. But if we don't teach our children to be individuals who are creative citizens, who are capable of love, openness, I know I sound old-fashioned and impractical, but that's the mechanism I see. I don't see another mechanism. And very important in this educational system, this bottom-up as well as top-down system, a secular education where religion is left to the personal and the family, not become public 
property policy, where our politics reestablish a firewall, and this becomes the model for everywhere in the world. That religion, which I would again love to see just disappear like the Greek myths disappeared. Good stories that teach a moral, Aesop's fables. It's not that the stories aren't interesting, not that the stories aren't important, but where they're not taken literally, where people think abstractly and ask, what is the meaning of a particular story? Within this educational system, which has to be fostered everywhere in the world, secular, bottom-up as well as top-down, creative, heavily laden in the arts as well as in the sciences, well-versed in the humanities. Uh, I, for many years, when students would say to me, I want to become a good psychologist, what courses should I take? I would give them the courses and say, these are the minimum psychological courses. You take as much literature, poetry, art, and music as you could possibly fit into your schedule. The best psychologists are good writers. The best. The insights of a good novel, the insights of a good autobiography, the good si insights of good history, these are uh, uh, the basis for creating human beings uh, that can not think uh, uh, literally about their religion, but can step back and broaden the Google map with which they see the world and its history. At the same time, this has to be directed towards women. Why, why, why the almost universal domination of women exists and it's so much of a struggle for to recognize uh, that 50% uh, of the human race can't be dominated while the other 50% uh, 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 retains its humanity and retains its creativity. Why we can't see this, I really don't understand. Is it that men are jealous of women? Clearly the evolutionary explanation is that when men have sex, they want to make sure that the woman who has the child has their child. That's the theory that comes out of evolution at the tribal level and at the uh, wonderful idea of the selfish gene. We want our genes, we're packages to create a, 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 an explosion of our own genes and by extension the genes of our tribe. Therefore, women have to be brought to heal on that basis. But the domination, the enslavement that is now going on in so many parts of the world, uh, one of the horrors that will bring down the Muslim uh, uh, religion, uh, unless it steps up and begins, as in many parts of the Muslim world, to educate its females and protect the social advances, and they are to me social advances of the first and most important rank, um, they have to be on the front line of standing up to these bullies and these terrorists made up of young men 
uh, who come from often from poverty, led by the power hungry that I've talked about many times. Um, uh, the article I was reading again is that many of the leaders uh, of Hamas live in Qatar uh, and live in luxury, uh, opening up with the money uh, that uh, should have gone to schools and the education of the children um, into opening up their own uh, shopping malls. They're investing. Uh, of course, a lot of it will go back to create cement for tunnels and rockets to be fired and guns. Um, tragedy, tragedy, tragedy. I, it becomes difficult to talk about. So frightening is this particular rise of mindlessness, of, of rage, uh, of, of, of uh, violence. So women have to be uh, the target of our education the inclusion everywhere of our education. Uh, let me close. Um, one of the things that always fascinates me, again, was uh, my own religious education, which uh, at the time, I don't know if I ever saw it completely literal um, <clears throat> from the time it started, but certainly when I became older, uh, I found many of the Bible stories interesting and important, but not to be taken literally. Uh, what, is the, what is the message? And one of the things that have always fascinated me was the message contained in Genesis, where a God that is unnamed and undescribed creates heaven, creates the earth, creates the animals, light from dark, and ultimately uh, his great creation as humanity. Part of the problem in that story from the beginning for me is that he created Adam first and then, uh, based on uh, an afterthought and a complaint from uh, Adam, he created Eve. Um, when I read newer versions of the story, it leaves that, that part of it out and he created both man and women, but it really wasn't equal. Almost immediately, um, he, created, he created humanity in his image. And we don't know what his image was. The very fact that we keep using the word his means we do know or think we know that his, it's masculine, that God is a man. He had a son. Uh, that, again, has to be one of the contributing factors of, of uh, why uh, uh, women are marginalized uh, and have to struggle so hard, even in America, for equal pay and equal rights. Um, uh, and in most parts of the world, or many parts of the world, uh, are increasingly being enslaved, uh, left uneducated. And by the way, um, in the orthodox of, of uh, Judaism, uh, one of the films that I would recommend to anybody to see is a film called Kadosh, a uh, very sad film about the relationship in this particular sect in Israel in which women basically are breeding stock. Oh, yes, we say they're respected and there's all kinds of... of but no, uh, when this particular woman who is loved by her husband and who adores her husband can't have a child, uh, the, the rabbi orders him to divorce her and marry another woman uh, who will have 
be able to bear his child. And of course, we learn along the way that when she went to the doctor, um, which was forbidden by the uh, sect for her to do, uh, that she was perfectly capable of having a child. He was the one who couldn't have the child. But he would not go to the doctor. He was forbidden to go to the doctor. And I won't tell you the sad ending of this particular story, but it is very sad. Uh, this is uh, the mirror image of much that goes on in other parts of the world, particularly in some parts of the Muslim world, where women are not educated, and their role is to serve the husband or serve men uh, without a chance of rising to their own creative individual citizenship. So, how come if we're created in the image of a creator that almost all religion stresses obedience over creativity, how come it's always the top, almost always, the top down, rather than recognizing that it's got to be also the bottom up? I don't know really how to answer that question. I think I'm sort of circling around the answer. My dear friends, whoever hears this, I believe we're not doing well. We're degrading the atmosphere. We're creating the situations uh, through our foreign policy. Uh, uh, and I'm not just ours, but the powerful over the powerless. That breeds ignorance. That breeds desperation. That in men breeds shame, which almost always breeds rage. I believe that we are in deep trouble. I believe we are in deep trouble here in America, although here I haven't fully given up hope. Um, I tried to figure out why I keep doing these shows, um, and I think one of the reasons is I do feel better when I talk about it, and I feel in a way I'm trying to do my share to create a scenario, uh, a, a Google map, that I can share with others that looks at the social context, some of the historical context, and what I believe would be necessary for us to uh, work our way out of the morass that we're in, which is in escalating as we speak. Uh, I wish I would do more, but I don't. Um, uh, well, that's another story. So, I've done almost an hour. Um, I feel better. I'm not sure anybody can listen to this or will listen to this whole show. Um, but it's part of the record. It's part of what I've said. Uh, it makes me feel like I'm teaching again. And uh, nobody walked out of the class because I don't think anybody was in the class. If anybody would like to call me in the few remaining moments, I'm going to be on the air. I don't understand why. When I write, when I send my Facebook and blog talk radio to my network, it won't go. I'm going to have to find out, call up, and why this has is, is happened tonight. Usually it does go. But in any event, come see, come sa. If anybody is there, would like to engage me in discussion, I would be most appreciative and I would enjoy it. Otherwise, I'm going to have a cup of tea and a cookie. I may, if I have time, I think I may have time tonight to watch the film Gravity. 
if I can find it on 3D on my big television, I have glasses. I've never actually watched the movie in 3D, but the review of Gravity, which is a good one, and some of the people I know who saw it said you really should see it in 3D. We'll see what happens. Nobody there? Have a wonderful evening, a good life, and I wish us all a lot of luck.